0: the pollinators and the bees. This is a role that nature is offering us, these little insects. So they are doing a job for free. They never go to strike. This
1: is The Talent Show, a new podcast series from FT Talent, a hub of innovation from the Financial Times, hosted by under-30s for the under-30s around the world. This first series is in partnership with Bocconi University, a leading higher education institution of business and managerial advancements. Hi, I am Virginia Stagni, and this is the guide you need to drive innovation and change. Today, we are focusing on sustainability by talking with an expert who researches how companies can become more green. This is for any listener who wants to better understand ESG and learn how business can go beyond greenwashing to build toward truly positive environmental change. Here is our conversation with Stefano Poguz, Professor of Sustainability Strategy and of Green Management at Bocconi University. Thank you so much, Stefano, for being with us. Today, we're going to explore with you sustainability as well business, as well as your career path and career journey. How are you, Stefano, today?
0: Wonderful. Thanks for hosting me, for having me. Great pleasure.
1: It's a great pleasure for us. As you know, this podcast is about giving career tips, and you deal a lot with younger people because of your role at Boku University with early career professionals with your role at the MBA. I would love to start this conversation better understanding how you first became interested in the role of sustainability in business.
0: Yeah, that happened many years ago. Thanks for for this nice question because it helped me introduce myself. It was uh, when I was a student at Bocconi University, I got a professor that introduced the topic of externalities in a strange course of uh, economic history. And I was looking for something a little bit more heterodox, comparing to the traditional way of approaching economics and management. And I found my way looking at organization and firms and company. I was studying management and linking the dots, linking uh, environmental protection. At that time, was the beginning of the journey of sustainability and management. I think that firms and companies are key actors in society and they have a huge transformative power in the good and in the bad. My attention to management and to organization is what I've been studying all my career. I think that managing company in a different way, uh, in a way which is more in line with the needs of future generation and of the natural environment is something that has always been very, very intriguing for me.
1: If there is one thing about being an agent of change, it is also most of the time intertwined with being an agent of innovation in organizations. How can the leaders of tomorrow make sure that innovation and sustainability are going hand in hand versus remaining at odds in the business ecosystem?
0: Uh, Well, you pointed clearly to, I mean, that's the center, the the essential part of the entire discourse on sustainability. So we need innovation. Innovation and technology are called a double-edged sword because they can generate impact and technology can transform the environment and society in a more, I would say, polluted one or less sustainable. But they also provide all the opportunity to reduce the impact or even enhance what we call the natural capital and increase the social capital. So looking at innovation and technology is essential in order to try to fix some of the problems we have and address the big challenges. And here again, the centrality of companies or firms depends on the fact that a lot of innovation comes out from firms, from companies, because they are able to organize knowledge and in a different way provide new products, new services, new business model. So these are the key ingredients for what we call in the very end innovability, which is let's say a word that uh, sum up innovation and sustainability.
1: When we're looking at business models, I think we all kind of agree that Every CEO or anyone, every manager wants to create sustainable business models and something that looks, of course, a sustainability on the action point. But how do you deal with the fact that investors, most of the time, want quicker and less risky returns? If you are a manager or if you are an early career professional, what would be your tips when they are entering in the room and got to sit in the room and at the table to basically be aware of and maybe, you know, be inspired by?
0: Yeah, that's probably the most challenging question that we can receive as scholars that are studying at the topic, because there is a trade-off between short and long-term. This is an existing one, and that's still one where a lot of discussion is taking place. I think that one of the big points for young manager is trying to look at the factor of risk, where risk on many of the challenge is inherently bringing it into the let's say, boardroom, the necessity to have a medium long-term view. The topic of risk and uncertainty is a key element of today's society. So uncertainty is part of every business and we cannot, uh, let's say, throw uncertainty out of the window. The point is uh, what we've been uh, working on for a long while, teaching and preaching also when we look at management is eliminate uncertainty, reduce uncertainty. And the idea of having just one target for cooperation, it's a way of managing. So managing only for one very key target, which is shareholder value maximization or profit maximization. I think that today we cannot leave this out, of course, but today the uncertainty the complexity require manager to look more at medium long-term. So if I take climate change, that's a very clear example. So stranded assets, assets that are very solid link to fossil fuel in few years from now, they will not have the same value because of the phasing out of a fossil fuel is mandatory for reaching the zero emission target that is inside agreement like Paris or the Treaty of Glasgow. And this way of approaching in a different way, medium long term let's say decision might impact also on the everyday activity of manager. So this is just one example of how the two things, uh, they need to coexist today.
1: Can all corporations be green or is it impossible for some?
0: Uh, I have to be very frank on that. I think that some business will never be green and you can reduce somehow the impact. If I take oil company and fossil fuel company, fast fashion let's say, they can reduce some of the impact they're generating. They will never be fully green. It's impossible because it's inherent of their business and the, of, of the industry. So in the middle long term, acknowledging that these companies are employing hundreds of thousands of people, so we cannot just eliminate and cancel this company from the market because there is a trade-off between, I would say, employment, between the community value that they are generating and the natural environment. But in the medium long term, we need to find different business model. So I don't think that oil company can be valued more or less green within the industry. But overall, they will never be in line with nature. Maybe technology with carbon capture and storage might help us, but uh, there is still a big question mark. Fast fashion, same story. So there has been a huge, let's say, a new sector with brands that have been benefiting of this new fascinating business model. We've been studying that for a long while in business school. But at the same time, we realized that, that this is not sustainable. So buying clothes every uh, two weeks uh, has no... Uh, meaning with regard to the capacity of nature to support this behavior. Probably there's something tricky and not fully coherent within this.
1: In terms of all these current events that we are facing in this overcomplicated world, of course, uh, communication and information is allowing us to know about the complications happening. I don't believe that it wasn't as complicated a few decades ago. We just have more access to information and we just know how more complicated the world is. Of course, I'm referring you to all the changes and disruptions that we have seen in the past few months. How is it possible to get basically more tangible slash pragmatic advice because of current events happening in the world within an academic curriculum. FFT writes a lot about the ESG affected by the war and what is happening in Ukraine today, how this can enter within the curriculum of an MBA and why pursuing an MBA as still value today.
0: This is a very intriguing question, I think, Uh, and uh, my answer is the following. So when we look at education, we don't have to run after the news. I think that we need to prepare people for a medium-long term, let's say, path. We need to incorporate attention to what is happening in the contingent world. So we need to adapt. But I think that the purpose is to organize a pathway of knowledge and competencies that are for the medium long term. What you mentioned about uncertainty and about complexity, the situation that is changing, the speed of change, the disruption, the discontinuities we have, They're going to be more and more there in the future because this acceleration is happening. And according to many scholars and scientists, it will go on in the next decade. So we need to prepare people for that. Of course, MBA, like in any program, when I look at education, we need to prepare people with a toolkit because when they go out, they need to find a job, maximize the value of the investment, all that as a baseline. Understanding... With the capacity to have a new mindset and a broad view, what is a challenge in front of you is mandatory.
1: And in terms of ESG finance managers, we have seen a lot of criticism around the ESG scores and scoring, but sometimes can be a bit contradictory. What they should respond to the criticism about greenwashing, but at the same time to visa ESG scoring methodology. What would be a nice strategy to go ahead and what we should be looking at if we want to be ESG finance managers?
0: Yeah, so this is brand new i would say industry and sector let's say Uh, because the data uh, need to be built need to be available Uh, this is where finance in my view and accounting is uh, somehow in a big challenge of knowledge because if i talk with an engineer about co2 emission and kilowatts and gigawatt hours that's their own job. They know how to do it, they know how to measure, they know how to do the calculation, all the math. If I talk with somebody in human rights, they know what is, uh, let's say, uh, theorizing behind that they know how to even measure because this discipline go into soft measure, but they try to and they work in terms of research. These are different domain from accounting and finance. So the bridge again is a question of language, building rules, building practices, and the sector is a new one because it has just started. ESG, I think we can discuss when the acronym was, was defined, but I think it was less than 10 years ago. Therefore, it's a brand new field. What I usually say that when I was studying in my university at Bocconi, the financial principles and financial accounting principle, international one. They were not yet there. And it took decades to have an international, let's say, language where people from different parts of the world, they converge when you do uh, your financial statement and you are a global corporation. So it takes time to have a common language. Same story for the ESG. ESG is something new, financial and accounting. Basically, they know very little. How many people, my question, have been prepared studying finance on ESG? And is it enough to study one course, maybe 12 hours or 16 hours on ESG to be knowledgeable about human rights, about climate change, about circularity, about transparency, about uh, corruption, about uh, labor rights, and about all these dimensions that open up in domains because they are... Sciences behind, I would say different area of science behind. So it's a long journey. Another element that might be useful to understand that is when we look at the agenda 2030 and we look at the United Nations at the SDGs, they are 17, they are 160 and some indicators. And all that cannot be simplified in two, three, four measure. That's what finance today is searching for. There is a dichotomy between the two, work, and one is a broad area of disciplinary domain, which is sustainability, and the other is ESG, where finance and accounting, they try to understand the challenges and transform these into risk and risk measures, which are two complementary dimension. but still we have a very long way in front of us. So we need uh, to be very patient Younger generation, they have the chance to study something new, bring that into organization, into finance. And with that, probably they have a very interesting opportunity for their own career because there is an asymmetry of information. So younger generation might have much more knowledge on the topic than the older one. So there's chance for a new path, new uh, career opportunity, new startup, new company in this area.
1: You talked about the responsibility that leaders do have. Let's imagine that you go back to your 20s. What would be your suggestion to yourself in terms of like focusing and studying to become more responsible leaders in the future?
0: I think that one point for everyone uh, today is to understand uh, what is ruling the complexity of the world we have. Our education is often very, very vertical, narrowed down in silos, because that's the way we organize knowledge and that's the epistemology in the very end of our discipline. So the way we make knowledge of um, what we are studying, what we have. I think that uh, in the future, we need to have a more systemic view. This requires, in terms of studying, breaking these walls that are very reductionistic, entering into new paradigm, exploring new paradigm. And I think that uh, business school and the universities need to bring this as part of the curriculum. Of course, you need to have verticality because this is uh, required, but you also need to have this capacity to understand that all the tile of the mosaic need to be together And we need probably to reorganize the system in a different way. It's not enough to reduce the impact of a product. It's not enough uh, to transform uh, your process of production. Uh, Societal and ecological uh, components are interdependent in our society. We almost forgot about that for decades. I think it's still very strange that in the majority of the university where you study economics and management you are not considering the fact that organization and companies and individuals are not just living in social economic environment but there is nature there is the materiality of nature behind so that's something that we don't have in any book where we study we study like if it were suspended in the void I think that this is a very tiny example of what we are missing. And we need to have a paradigm that embraces this multidimensionality of life. And to manage in the future, we need to acknowledge and factor in our decision these aspects.
1: Stefano, just one thing that you just mentioned, this thing about being in nature. I think this is something that is a bit overlooked, either in books, as you were saying, in theories, and Generally, now we're thinking, can you elaborate this a bit more? What do you mean by that? And what are the effects on leadership and generally how we are thinking the business ecosystem as a whole?
0: The business ecosystem is basically based on knowledge. Uh, We are talking about companies that are transforming knowledge today. And uh, even the uh, material tradition of, of the firm, if I go back to the Industrial Revolution, the companies were transforming input and output. And this is a typical model that I also study and we studied at the basic of economics. This is just, let's say, abandoned in a corner. And we think about value and about knowledge and the ecosystem is usually technological or social economical system. And what I found very intriguing in my career is uh, discovering step-by-step step that the ecosystem in uh, modern ecology a very fascinating uh, unit of analysis to explain the world and ecosystem are social and ecological system where you have interaction and this interaction is based on impact and dependence because we depend on nature and if nature is not providing services that you use every day uh, we are lost uh, and we will not have uh, any prosperity and uh, my example the one that I'm usually sharing with the students in some of the conversation, is just considering the pollinators and the bees. Uh, This is a, a role that nature is offering us, these little insects. So they are doing a job for free, they never go to strike. And this is generating value for agriculture and for all the industry that are related to the activity that these animals are doing. Same story, climate regulation. This is something that allows many industry to prosper from utility that are using the fact that a balanced weather allows to have a balanced flows in the rivers, in the water, optimizing the productivity of hydro production, for example, or if you are a company like, I would say, San Pellegrino or Nestlé, you are using services of purification that forest and nature is doing, for selling you water all around the world. So these are just examples of our dependence on nature. The majority of the universities and business schools have never been considered as a part of your framework. The framework of ecosystem and knowledge is, is the essential part of what we study. So that's something we need to bring back to our education.
1: Thank you very much Stefano and a very special part of our our talent show is that we are welcoming students and early career professionals, Challengers alumni, to directly ask you some questions. So we have today for you Dimitrios and Georgia. So over to you Dimitrios.
0: Hello, my name is Dimitrios Asproulis and I participated in the Financial Times Talent Challenge in February 2022. I'm from Greece but living in Switzerland and I'm completing my Master's in Management at the Harvard Extension School. My question to Professor Stefano Poguc is, are there any ESG programs at the world's largest organizations that have impressed you in terms of achieving particularly meaningful results? Thank you so much for your insights. So thanks a lot, uh, Dimitros, for this question. I think that ESG program, if I look at cooperation, I think that we are still at quite early stage. I think that we still have to wait a little bit to have really interesting or rich or type of uh, approaches that can be suggested, in my view, as as outstanding and relevant. By the way, I would try also to add a comment to your question. I think that another important element is sometimes, also in the conversation we're having today, we are overlapping ESG with sustainability. I think that if you want to have an impact, a positive one, of course ESG is relevant, but ESG is just part of the challenge because ESG is how, I would say, climate, uh, the diversity challenge, the circularity are impacting the corporation. So the risk for a corporation of that, and I think that if you want to transform and fix some of the problem and your generation has this as a key element for their career and also to transform in a positive way society, if I consider that, I think that we also need to acknowledge that the other side is key. So that's how much I can and how much a company impact on society on the environment. We don't have to separate the two. We need to keep the two together. And therefore, my suggestion would be to look more at sustainability as an element, as a program, as something distinctive, where you have ESG inside as a component of the overall picture.
1: Thank you very much, Stefano. Second question from Georgia. Hello, my name is Georgia. I was a participant of the FT Talent Challenge in 2022. I'm from Bergamo, but currently living in Milan. I'm currently working as Implementation Project Manager in the digital health sector. My question to Professor Stefano Pogutz is what are the main challenges that the green economy will face in the next five years? And how do you think companies will have to adapt to make themselves sustainable? Thanks,
0: and looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks a lot, Georgia, for your question. I think that one of the big challenges of the green economy is to speed up the transformation. So the clock is ticking and we need to accelerate. We need to accelerate because otherwise we are not going to reach the mitigation in our technology, in our products and services, in our business model that we need, in our consumption and production system. How to speed up is a very, very complex challenge. We've been talking about some cases, some examples in this conversation today. But at the same time, I think in order to speed up, we need to attract investors and investment. So we need to have the capacity to become attractive. And this is also the narrative, the language. I've been using the expression language a lot of time. So younger generation need to find a way to have solid argument to attract finance and to attract, uh, let's say, money. Because without money, you are not going to invest and to change. Another element, I think that we need to escape the ideological trap, which I see coming back in the last month as a consequence of the contingent situation where the tragedy of the war, the prices of the energy and raw material are somehow bringing back to the table an ideological debate between the two opposite positions those who are pros and those who are against the green transition i think that for younger generation you need to be very bold in that because for you there is no ideology that can be accepted i think that there is just one way because i think that you need to pretend to have the same word that we had when we were in your age i think that this is something that you need to request and the times we're living are probably complex but at the same time you have all your life in front and you need to ask those who are older governing and managing to accept your voice and your competencies and change and transform so i think that Escaping the trap of ideology is also fundamental for you to address the transition that we need, basically.
1: Thank you very much, Stefano. This has been really inspiring. We touched so many different points in our chat today, from ESG to greenwashing to metrics to nature. I really appreciate sharing this time together. I hope you had a good time with us.
0: Wonderful. I mean, it's a pleasure and a great opportunity to share some of my experience and what I love to do, which is uh, studying ecology, economy, business. And that's it.
1: Thank you very much, Stefano, for being with us today. It was a great pleasure and great learning. Thank you. If you're a listener of a Talent Show, I bet you're quite interested in the world of work and in understanding trends that are shaking up workplaces worldwide today. I recommend you to check out Working It, the FT's workplace podcast and newsletter. Join our friend and host Isabel Berwick every Wednesday for understanding the big ideas shaping work today and the old habits we need to leave behind. Tune in, subscribe and follow. This has been The Talent Show, which is produced by the FT Talent Team. Aya Al-Shihabi, Noor Hafez, and me, Virginia Stagni. Our podcast producer is Todd Van Luling. Our editor and sound engineer is Arturo Ochoa. Our video producer is Enrique Zecca, and our social media producer is Letizia Clementi. Our music is by Dennis Kishuk. Check out all of the talent show episodes at fttalent.ft.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow FT Talent on socials for updates. Until next time, and keep listening.